to where we are. Um, if you remember, our theme for this year is uh, a clear vision of hope for 2020. And so we, of course, are playing on that idea that this is the year 2020, if you can believe it. And we know that this is uh, when you go to the eye doctor and, and you get checked up, right? What happens is uh, he's going to see if you have 2020 vision. And, and uh, that's the idea as a church. We want to have that 2020 vision. We want to have our focus and our clarity from him and towards him. And so sort of our theme this year is that we would get some clarity of our vision about who we are as a church, what it means to be disciples, and how do we do that. And so our vision, of course, and the clarity comes from and starts with the Word of God. Uh, and uh, our theme verse for this year is First Peter 3. 15, all right, and it says that we are to set Christ, to set the Lord apart, uh, Christ apart as Lord in your heart, and the second part is always be ready to give an account for the hope that you possess and do it with gentleness and respect. And so I think that really summarizes in many ways the life of a disciple, right? That we are to set Christ apart as Lord and then to let others know about him. But our series now, as we go through the book of First John, uh, is walking in the light. And that is our study in First John. And so we'll be in the book of John for a number of weeks. And uh, today's passage in chapter 1, it's verses 5 to 10. And this is where we actually get this theme from, walking in the light. And so today I think it's pretty simple in that we just say, what does it mean to walk in the light, right? What does it mean that God is light? And, and, and how does that affect us, that we are to walk in his light you know, uh, when I uh, came outside this morning to make my way to church, I noticed that the sun was shining and the warmth felt really good, especially after the day we had yesterday. Did you get rained on? Did you get wet? Yeah, it was. I opened the door. We hadn't put our, um, taken our screen out yet. I just totally forgot about it. I opened the front door to see the storm and just immediately just a, a wave of water came. I got all wet. But it's just blowing every which way. But, you know, some days have been cold. It's been overall, you know, not such a cold winter. But don't we just, we kind of long for in the dark days of winter that warmth of the sun, you know. And I felt it today when even the outside might feel cool, but you can feel the warmth of the sunlight. And it feels good, right? And we long for that. And, and, and many of us and our, our friends kind of this time of year, they flee down to Florida. That's the place to go, right, to get some some sunshine and get that vitamin D, you know. But there are many people, and maybe you realize this or have heard about it, but there are many people in some of the northern countries, like the Scandinavian countries, Finland and Norway and, and others, where they have what's called the, the, the polar night. Did you ever hear about that? And so there's two or three months of darkness because of where they are. The closer you get to the Arctic Circle, the top of the world, and then what happens is um, you get uh, less um, daylight in the sense that there are a number of months, two to three months during the winter time, usually November to January, where the sun does not rise. Or sometimes at the beginning of that, at the end of that, it rises just a little bit. Have you ever seen like a time-lapse video? It's pretty cool. We're not used to that. But you think about it, how would you do, how would you fare living in a place where there is three months where the sun never came up day after day? How would you feel? Right? Don't we feel like that would be weird, right? Like not seeing the sun. And we know that, that as part of God's creation, we are connected to the sun, also part of his, uh, his creation. And, and there are people in these northern countries that as they go through these, these dark days of winter, they have to find other sources of light. And sometimes it looks like this. And so 
what they do is, um, I kind of laughed when I saw this picture. Isn't that kind of funny? But here's what they're doing. This is a picture of some people in Norway, and they're going through what's called a light therapy session. This is sort of foreign to us. And I also wondered why they were in bathrobes outside, but that's probably a, a discussion for another time. I have no idea what that's about. But I thought it was interesting that they have these, that they need these. They have these devices that create light. It's really bright, and it needs to uh, get into their eyes. And uh, they need to go through this session, maybe an hour, uh, a day, or something like that. And, and they can read the paper or read a book or just hang out. But they need to have that light because they're not getting the sunlight. Wouldn't that be weird? right? Wouldn't that be strange to not walk outside and see the light? We need that. You know, even... Even in a, when there was just a day yesterday where the, we didn't even see the sun, it was dark and rainy, we kind of feel it, right? We sense it. But here they go through months of it, and they need to get this other source of light. But why? Because we are connected to the light. I mean, we are connected to the sun. See, what happens is the light, a bright light, what it does is it stimulates uh, cells in our retinas, in our eyes, and that, those retinas are connected to a part of our brain, right, that helps us to, um, to regulate what's called the circadian rhythm. Have you ever heard of that? That, that word just kind of comes from this idea of around a day. Our circadian rhythm, everybody has that, is basically like our sleep and awake, our night and day sort of uh, connection. You know, that we, we, we realize when the sun comes up, it's kind of time to get up. Now, some of you don't really adhere to that, right? The sun comes up and you're like, go away, right? Um, and maybe you come alive more at night. I don't know. I'm, I tend to be more of a, a night owl myself. But, but the idea is our bodies are, are created that way by the Lord. And, and we sort of go, our, our bodies are in tune with the cycles of the sun coming up and going down. And, and, and day and night and we're awake or asleep. And what happens when there's three, two to three months of darkness, it messes with that rhythm, see? And so our, the, our eyes need the light to tell the retinas, to tell the brain when it's time for our bodies to rejuvenate it and then when it's time to shut down and go to sleep, see? But they need this artificial sense. And some of you might even suffer from what, what's clinically called SAD, right? Seasonal Affective Disorder. And some of us might feel at certain days or this time of year, and it's a real thing. Happens to be the acronym is SAD, right? And, um, but it is a real thing because that bright light stimulates us and we are connected to the sun. We need that vitamin D, right? Don't you love that first day, especially living by the shore, that first day when the sun is warm, the air is warm, you get to go to the beach and just kind of soak it in, the, the vitamin D and the sun. We need that. See, we need light to thrive and to grow and to be healthy. And look, we know that plants need it, but we need it too. But see, we also need it spiritually. We are in desperate need of spiritual light to be able to grow, to be able to live, to grow to thrive and not just survive. So it's the same for the spiritual light. And that is what the Apostle John is talking about in our passage today. If you remember, just a quick review, and we'll get right into a, a reading the scripture for today, that uh, John, this is John the Apostle, the same John who wrote uh, John, Second uh, John and Third John, right? He wrote First, Second, and Third John. He wrote the Gospel of John, and he wrote Revelation. It's the same Apostle. This is the John who was part of Jesus' core three, Peter, James, and John, but he is also called the Lord's beloved. He is really Jesus' best friend. 
We don't also often think about that, but Jesus had a best friend, really. And it was John. He was the one that, that seemed to be the closest to him. And they all had a wonderful relationship, and we know what Peter's you know, relationship was like. But John just had this closer relationship. And so we pay attention to the words that John speaks. Because why? Because, listen, John is an eyewitness testimony of what Jesus did and said. Right? And that's what happens when you have somebody that was there, when you experience something, they can testify to that and say, yes, that actually happened. I've had friends on the golf course before say, you know, one time I hit a hole in one. I said, was anybody there? No, it was just me out playing by myself. So I don't think that counts, right? I say, yeah, I hit four of them myself and nobody was around, you know. There needs to be an eyewitness. John is an eyewitness to everything Jesus did and said. And so in this, in this letter, what he's doing, and this is important to remember the background, he is refuting a heresy. See, almost every letter of the New Testament outside the Gospels is really what we call sort of um, like crisis um, literature in that it is written to address an error that's being taught or coming up in the church. And, and this particular heresy in this church that John was writing to was called Gnosticism or, or dualism, which is a part of that. It was a belief, and they were believed that they were Christians, but yet they weren't coming to Christ through the true gospel. And they were, they were saying that we have a special knowledge outside of the Bible and outside of God. And, and they were saying that Jesus wasn't really human. Like, he, he was human, but then he was, some of them might think he was more of like a ghost or an apparition, if you believe that. And others say he was just a man, and he wasn't really God. The Holy Spirit came upon him for a time. When he died, he just died a man. But see, those are heretical to orthodox beliefs of what Jesus taught the apostles and what they planted their first churches at, Right? You remember when the, the apostles, what they did after Jesus died, remember the, the great commission he gave them? He said, go and, and make disciples of all nations and baptizing them, teaching them, right? And he says, do it for all the nations and I'll be with you always. So Jesus sent them out. He says, carry on my mission. Do you know that we're part of that mission? See, we are in the legacy of those first disciples. And they, they then spread the word and they were always ready to give an account for the hope that they had in them. And see, they went and they spread the word and they told other people. And so John here is writing this letter saying, hold up now. These churches that were planted by the disciples, we told you what was true and what Jesus said. And you're veering away from that. You're letting other people come in and teach you something different that's unorthodox. And so he writes this letter as an eyewitness. And look at, how, look at what he says in our passage today. So this is 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. Just those verses for today. But look at how he starts. I'll read the whole thing, but look at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. So what he's saying, he's saying, Jesus showed us and he taught us. And we already told you this, but I'm going to remind you again. Because we got it right from the source. See what John is doing? He's setting it up. So he says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. That God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, 
when we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. It doesn't sound like it ends very hopeful, but I will. I will, I will bring us to a hopeful conclusion on this. But, um, you know, as we talk about walking in the light, our series, I want to make something clear first. This has got to be our, our foundation, and then we'll move on from here. And this goes for every message in this series. But the book of First John, I truly believe, is telling us about fellowship. John is going to go on in the chapters after this to show us things that we're doing and not doing as sort of a checklist not to see if we are saved, but to see if we are enjoying our salvation. There is a world of difference, church. So don't, don't, don't read this book as if to say, boy, I'm not doing this, or sometimes I do this, and boy, John says I should be doing this. I've never done that. I don't think like that, act like that. Maybe I'm not saved. That is not what John's intention here is at all. See, he wrote this letter to believers. He knows that they are saved, that because of their belief, because of faith alone, they believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. He's writing to them, and he says, don't you want to enjoy that salvation? What we call that is fellowship. See, once a month we have something we call a fellowship lunch. Why? We gather around food, and that's always good, right? And we gather around the tables and we have food and we have fellowship where we encourage each other and we enjoy each other's presence. But see, the fellowship, church, first starts with our fellowship with God. It is that vertical fellowship, right? How are we enjoying our relationship with God? But then we have this horizontal fellowship with our brothers and sisters. And he talks about that here as well. Okay? So that's really important to understand that he is not talking about check to see if you're saved or not. What he is doing is he's writing to people that he knows are believers, but he's also writing to address these heresies to say there are people among you who are acting as if they're believers, but they're deceiving themselves. And don't let them deceive you. But he says we are to have fellowship with our God and to enjoy it. And why? Because he is light. So I just want to go through this passage and highlight a few things from what these verses tell us, right? Because this is a short book, but he really packs in so much. This really is sort of a study in contrasts today. You're going to see, we see contrasting light and dark, good and evil, positive and negative, open and, and closed, close and far away, embracing and rejecting, concealing and revealing. You're going to see these, these ideas come out in his words because that's what John is saying. He said, you know what, church, it's, it really comes down to this. We have two choices in every situation in life. We can draw closer to the Lord, or we can walk further away from him. And see, John says, you have fellowship with him. It's a, it's a gift. It's a blessing in your, your salvation. Do you want to enjoy it? Then draw closer in fellowship to him. And then you'll have fellowship with everybody else, too, as we draw closer to him. But he starts with this idea of light. I mean, we see light all throughout the Bible. Light as a symbol of holiness, of righteousness, of of good works. I mean, right at the beginning of the book, God said, let there be light, didn't he? But yet, in this passage, John says, not that God reflects light, or God even created light. It says God is light. 
I mean, it's part of his nature. And we really can't wrap our minds around it, but that's the truth, that God himself is light, just like God himself is love. He not only loves us, he is love. It is his nature, and he cannot go against his nature. So therefore, John says, this is the message we have heard from him, we proclaim to you, and here's the message. God is light. Three words. That's the message. And then he reverses it in the negative. In him is no darkness at all. See, so it has to start with this idea that what does light mean? When it comes to God, light means he is perfect. The Psalms say that your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my feet, a light to my path. That's what he is to us. Remember when when God uh, rescued his people of Israel from the Egyptians, and he did that through Moses. You remember, like, what guarded them during the day and the night? The pillar of fire? Remember, it was light. It was God's presence. It symbolizes purity. Philippians 2, 15 says this. That you, Paul says that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. See, we reflect his light because it's his light, right? He is light, and we reflect that light. But see, light in Scripture really symbolizes this idea of purity and, and holiness. And so John starts this passage, listen, by making a statement. And then the other, so verse 5 is a statement he makes. And then the other verses, John shows the connection to us, to that truth. Okay, so here's the statement. He says, this is true because we heard it from Jesus himself. And here's the message. Are you ready? And here's the message. God is light. God is light. So what does that mean? It's everything that's incorporated in that. And he's, he goes on to say it in positive ways and negative ways. Do you ever like with your kids, try to like not be so negative and say, don't forget to do your homework. What's a, what's a positive way to say that? Remember to do your homework. See, it's different, right? Sometimes it's good to do both. You hit it from both, both ways, right? So people can remember. And so that's what John does. He goes back and forth with a positive statement, a negative statement, all to make the same point. God is light, and we are his children of light, and so we are to walk in that light. See, it's very simple, but not so easy to always do, is it? And so he spells it out for us. So, verse 5, he says, and we'll just briefly go through this. He says, this is the message we have heard from him, proclaimed to you. God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. See, this is where we start. John's starting with who? With God. I know it sounds really simple and almost like we don't have to say it. But we do have to say it. Let's always start with God, church, okay? Let's start with God. Uh, we, we, did a, we did a whole series on, um, you know, exploring essential theology, remember? And one of those, we talked about the nature of God. And we looked at all of his, his characteristics, right? Who he is. And John is saying he's light, which means he's perfect and he is holy and he is without blemish. That's really what he's telling us. That God is completely and absolutely holy with no ounce of sin, not tainted by any measure of evil, and entirely void of injustice. That is God. He is perfect. He is perfect. John 1.9 says this, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That's the same John 
that wrote that gospel, that wrote this letter. And who's he talking about? The same Jesus. See, he's the light, the true light. He's not an artificial light that may have some value. But even our friends in Norway in that picture that were getting that artificial light, it was good, but nothing replaces the pure and perfect light of the sun. Am I right? But we know that spiritually to be true as well. So he makes a statement and he says, let's start with God. That's the, 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 um, the message we're proclaiming. He is light. And then he goes on in verse 6 and says this. So if we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So that's one of the things that I, that I really think is important about preaching through books of the Bible is that we can't skip over stuff like this. And say, you know, I don't want to talk about sin today, all that negative stuff. Let's just talk about light and, and happy things, right? There's always hope in all of it. But see, John is making a point. He says, look, God is light. And then he says, if you say that you're enjoying your relationship with him, remember, it's not talking about salvation. He says, if, you're, if you as a believer say that, yeah, I'm good with God, me and God, yeah, we're like this, right? You get that on Sunday morning, how are you doing? I'm great. And hopefully that's true, but you know, we sometimes we say it and we don't even mean it. But what he's saying is that if you say that you have fellowship with him, like that you're really tight with God and walking with him, but at the same time, truly in reality, you're walking in darkness, he says, then you're lying and you're not practicing the truth. So you're not living out that actual truth. And so first what he's saying is don't deceive yourselves. Remember, he's writing to, to refute this heresy. He says, Don't believe it. But it starts with you. See, it's not to judge other people. But he says, if you say you have fellowship with God, but yet you keep sinning and you don't confess it, which he gets to in a second, then we have a big issue. And he basically says, you're lying. You're lying to yourself and you're trying to lie to God. See, we try to fool ourselves and others, but can we ever really fool God? Is there a place that we can go and hide from him? No, read the Psalms, talks about it all the time. So he says that we're lying and we're not enjoying that fellowship. See, our relationship with God is secure. That's our salvation, having been justified before him. Because that's all done by Christ, amen? And we receive that by faith alone, in Christ alone. But yet then we are to enjoy that. That's called the fellowship. And John is saying, you're not enjoying it if you're wallowing in your sin And you're just pretending on the outside that all is good. See, what we need to do, church, is stop hiding in the shadows of our heart. Scripture tells us we were once in darkness, but now we are children of light. We should have walked in that light. I'll show you that verse in a minute. See, so no longer hang out in the shadows, but step out into the light. Right? We we are to no longer conceal our sin or our sorrow or weakness because why he is not in the darkness if you are walking in the darkness or towards the darkness or just creeping ever slowly towards it recognize this he is not in the darkness there is no fellowship with god in the darkness because he is perfect and pure and holy church is that not why he had to send his son jesus for us to be the perfect sacrifice. Only Jesus, who the Bible tells us lived, the only one to ever live a sinless and perfect life, he alone was the one who was able to die 
and our place to take away our sins. Because in order for a perfect and holy God to be reconciled for us as, as wretched sinners, as Paul calls him and us, right? To be reconciled to a holy and perfect God, we need to be made holy. And we are made holy, but only because of the blood of Christ. See, that's what God sees now is the blood of Christ that covers us. But see, the same principle is here. If we are walking towards the darkness, John is saying God is not in the darkness because he said God is light and in him, how much darkness? There's a little bit of darkness in God? There's none. Not even, not even an ounce of it. And so he says God is perfect and we can draw closer in relationship to him because of the blood of Christ. So we don't ever want to fake it on Sunday mornings or any other time or fake it in our friendships because God gives us this beautiful thing called fellowship, not only with him but with each other. And see, church, I know some, it can be hard. Community is messy. It's difficult. We have enough, maybe enough dysfunction in our own families to say, why do I want to you know, get involved in other people's lives? But see, we have something unique in common, and that is the Lord Jesus. And so and Scripture talks about a Paul. Man, he was so... Um, he put such an emphasis on it in, in his writings about unity in the church among the, the brethren, he calls it, around the fellowship, brothers and sisters, that we would encourage each other, walk alongside each other, carry each other's burdens, rejoice when the others rejoice. And then what happens is we grow closer to one another and to him. We have wonderful community here at Trinity, and we have groups of community that meet. There's a group that meets on Tuesday night and Thursday night. There's a Wednesday night group that meets here faithfully, and they focus and gather around prayer, and they pray. Did you ever notice, like, on a, on a fellowship Sunday, you'll see it next Sunday, and people gather around those tables, and there's community happening. Or people go out after Sunday, and, and, and they, they go to lunch, and they gather with people, and, and, and they share on a regular basis. See, that's community because we're called to do this life together. But see that in verse 7, right? So that was a negative thing. He's like, if you say you're in fellowship, but you walk in darkness, then you're lying. Verse 7, he says, but if we do walk in the light, this is the positive side, as he is in the light, then we do have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But see, he's going to then clarify that. So again, he's not talking about salvation in that uh, our, our eternal sins are forgiven. That's, that's done once and for all in Jesus. Can we say amen to that? That is done. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. We no longer fear that penalty because Christ paid the penalty. But yet we still know that sin has an influence and a presence, but we are being saved from the power of sin because now we have the power of Christ within us and the Holy Spirit and we can say no to sin. That's ongoing. That's our life. See, that is, church, the essence of what he's saying. If you want to have fellowship with God, you want to be in right standing, you want to enjoy your walk with him, be closer with him, and, and, and so that we, we can be more discerning of the moving of the Holy Spirit and enjoy worshiping him, then what we are to do is walk in his light. Like if you're out in the darkness, you're camping, and, and your friend is the only one with a lantern, and you want to see where you're going, you've got to get up real close to him, right? Because you want to stand in his light. He's walking in the light. And you need to be as close as you can to him so you can also enjoy the benefit of walking in that light. So the closer we draw to Jesus, who is the light of the world, the more that we will have clarity of vision about where he wants us to go, about who he is. I mean, does that just make sense? The closer you get to somebody, the more you know about them. 
and the more you learn to love them and appreciate them, but the further you draw away from that light, it gets dark and you can't see him and he is not in the light. Remember also that we reflect his light to others and we do that including fellow believers. I want to share some scriptures here. We'll just go through them briefly. I'll just read them. That all just, just remind us about walking in the light. First Peter 1, 15 to 16. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. See, on this side of heaven, we'll never attain perfect holiness, because then we would be God. Okay, it doesn't work that way. But yet we are to strive towards that in our works, and our actions, but we do it not to earn or maintain salvation, but we do it out of a response of love to what Jesus did for us. Right? That is our worship, church. That is why we do good works. That is why we obey, because we love. Didn't Jesus say, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll obey me. That's why we obey. Not out of compulsion, but out of love. That is our motivation. John three twenty one. Whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. See, the light reveals the truth. Do you know that? The light reveals the truth. So let us walk in the light so we walk in truth. Second Peter 1.4 By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Partakers meaning a fellowship, enjoying it having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Did you ever go through your news feed and say, wow, this is a great world. Everything's perfect and no sinful desires running around out there at all. No, but we understand because we have an enemy and the enemy of God is our enemy, church. And he has temporary right? With restraint by God, but he has temporary dominion over this world. And so when we say the world, we're talking about the system that he controls and sets up. And it is all to uh, remove um, worship from God, to put up barriers between us and God. So whenever we give into that sin, we put up barriers between us and God and our fellowship. Our relationship with him is never changed, but our fellowship with him is broken. I just say that if you ever wonder, like, what happens when a Christian sins? It's a question we always ask, right? What happens to me when, as a believer when I sin? You break fellowship with God. It's like with me and, and, and my son. If my son, if my son disobeys me, he's still my son, right? But I'll be disappointed. There'll be consequences for the disobedience, but yet he's still my son. But what happens is we have broken fellowship. So maybe we're not talking and, and, you know, he is not talking to me. I'm not talking to him. There's a disappointment. There's a frustration. Maybe there's an anger, whatever it is. That fellowship is broken. But when there is, listen, when there's apology and when there's forgiveness, is not fellowship restored? And then he moves on to that in a moment. First Thessalonians 5, 5. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. What a wonderful verse. First Thessalonians 5.5. 5. See, we're children of light. Children of the day. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. God's not there. 
We have God within us now. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, and these are Jesus' own words that John the Apostle heard. And he goes, here's the message, right? And this is what Jesus said in John's gospel. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, what does it mean to walk? When you take a walk, you're trying to get somewhere, right? You're moving forward when you're walking. So this Christian life is also is often called a walk. How is your walk with the Lord? Are you walking with him? And he said, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Right? You're going to walk with me? You're going to follow me? Follow me because you're children of light now and I'm the light. You're going to follow me and live in my light. Why are you going to hang out in the shadows where you used to live and wallow there? Why would you do that when you now have the beautiful light? Do you want to remain in, in three months of darkness? Or would you rather have the beautiful sunshine on you, right? Now, I don't want all of you to move to Florida. That would be no good. I think you have to be at least 65 or something. And then you can... Is that how that works? That's right. But look at this. We, we kind of... We see the next few verses, 8, 9, and 10. In 8, he gives us the negative. Again, he says it the same way, if we have no sin, if we say we have no sin, like, hey, I'm doing good. Meaning if you're a Christian and you're saying, I don't sin. He says, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in us. It doesn't mean you're not saved. He's saying, you are not applying the truth. You're not enjoying the truth. You're not living out the truth, see? You remember uh, a couple named Adam and Eve? And what happened when they sinned? What did they try to do? They tried to hide from God. What they did was they went from the light to the darkness. And they're like, we, he won't see us. We're in the dark, right? He can't see us. That's what they tried to do. John 3.20 says, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. Church, this verse and the next one, this is where we kind of, the rubber hits the road. Because look at what he says. What he's basically saying is, you know what? We actually often don't like the light because when we're sinning, we know as we move to the light, what's it going to do? It's going to expose our sin. So do you ever notice, do you ever notice when you are um, in habitual sin, maybe that sin that keeps gripping you and you're not confessing it, which is he gets to next, and you are not bringing it to the Lord, what happens? Doesn't it weigh you down? Doesn't it create sort of a cloud over you? You feel disconnected from God, like you're shutting a curtain. It was once described that way. We have the beautiful sunlight coming through the window, and then we just close the curtain. That sunlight's still there, but we are creating a barrier. That's what our sin does, you see. Our sin creates that barrier between us and God. We don't enjoy that fellowship. And he says that if we say we're not sinners, we deceive ourselves. The truth's not in us. John 3.20 if you do wicked things, then that means you hate the light. Because what you know in your heart of hearts is that light is going to expose the darkness. But that's what light is supposed to do. Because when Jesus came into the world, light was born into the world. It says the light came into the world and overcame the darkness, right? And the darkness could not overcome that light. Because darkness cannot overcome God who is light because he is perfect light. And then he says in verse 9, and this is the thing I really want you to take away from today. He says, verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and 
to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a great verse to memorize. 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see what he's saying? He's saying this to believers. He's saying when you sin before God, he says you can ask for forgiveness and I will forgive you. Remember, all of your sins, past, present, and future, have been forgiven in that you have been given and promised eternal life. They do not, they no longer count against you because Jesus took it upon himself. So your salvation, I believe, is secure in him. And we can have that assurance. But what he's saying is that believer, Christian, when you sin, confess it to God. Get it off of your chest. Lay it out before him. Come to the light. Let him expose it. It can be painful, church. You ever come before God and just cry or you weep or you get angry at yourself because the light is exposing the truth of your sin. But he says all you have to do is confess it and say, God, forgive me. And God is faithful and he is just to forgive that sin. And what happens? We restore fellowship with him. See? And you know what? I know you can attest to this too, church. But there are certainly plenty of times when we are caught in sin and we are not letting it go to God. We are not exposing it to the light and we are just hanging out in the shadows in the darkness. It starts to affect our mental health. It starts to affect our physical health. We can feel that weight of that burden. Didn't Jesus say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I'll give you rest? He was talking to the people, to the Jews, who were under the weight of the law. And he said, I have come to complete and fulfill the law. You don't have to worry about that anymore. I've done it for you. Just come to me. And see, John is saying the same thing. If you just confess that sin, give it over to him, he will forgive it. And your fellowship is restored and you can move on. Do you know what that word confess means? This is really important, church. That word confess really means this. You know, we have this idea of we tell God and we say it, whether it's verbal or nonverbal. But that word confess means to agree with. When you confess your sins to God, you are basically telling God, God, I agree with your standard of truth that what I am doing is a sin against you. I agree with that. I understand it. I recognize it. I give it back to you. Please forgive me and help me. And there is repentance involved in that, meaning, God, please forgive me because I recognize it as, as a sin and I don't want to do it anymore. Please help me to not continue. Holy Spirit, convict me and show me, illuminate the truth in me is what the Holy Spirit does for us as Christians. But first, we have to be willing to bring that sin before God who is light. Let that light, that truth expose it. And we ask for forgiveness. And we repent. And then our fellowship is restored. But see, we see this happen in our personal lives as well. In marriages, in relationships, brother and sister, parent and child, when fellowship is broken, breaks our heart. Do you ever just get in a fight with somebody and just feel a knot in your stomach? You just don't feel right because you're not enjoying it. But that's what happens with us and God. We are to confess it, agree with it, expose it to the light. It can be painful, 
But John promises us that Jesus said, he will forgive you. See, we need that light for we can grow. If you're holding on to a sin, church, you will not be growing in your maturity in God. You see that? Because every living thing, it needs light to grow. The plants do, we do, unless you're a mushroom. Did you know mushrooms don't need light to grow? Mushrooms actually don't, they actually don't take the nutrients from the sunlight, so they don't need light to grow. They can grow in it. But, you know, actually when, when, uh, when farmers grow mushrooms, uh, so, you know, so you can eat them, they, they grow them underground where it's dark. But think about this. What is a mushroom? It's a fungus. <laughs> it's a mold. It doesn't sound so good, does it? I, I like them. I eat it anyway. No, right? Okay. All mushroom people here, all numbers, yeah. But see, it's interesting, right? They don't take, they don't absorb those nutrients, but we need it. We need the actual sun God created, but we need the sun he gave us in Jesus Christ. And then finally, verse 10, he says it. If we say we have not sinned, he's saying it again, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We forget his truth that we are sinners in need of a savior. We forget his truth that he offers forgiveness. We forget the truth that John just stated that God is light. So if we are to have fellowship with God, church, first recognize that God is perfect and holy, so he is light. Don't walk in the darkness, but walk in light. The negative is don't walk in the darkness. The positive is walk in the light. How do we do this? We confess our sins to God. When we do that, it opens that door to light. Never underestimate, church, the power of unconfessed sin in your life. It breaks your fellowship with God and inevitably with other people. Because, you know, our actions don't only affect us. You know that? Our actions affect a lot of other people. In our selfishness and sinfulness, we think in our, in our sinful actions that it's only affecting us. It affects a lot of other people. And then I end with this. Walking in the light simply means growing in spiritual maturity. Choosing holiness over sinfulness. Moving towards God, not away from Him. Being open with God and not closed. Trusting God more. Walking further away from darkness and closer to the light. Let us leave sin in the shadows and walk in the light of grace. So if Jesus is light, then the closer we get to him, our fellowship, the more clearly we will see him and ourselves. We will see his goodness and grace. Yes, we will see our sin, but he is faithful and just to forgive. Would you stand as I, as I read our closing verse? This is Ephesians 5, 7 to 9. Therefore, do not become partners with them, meaning the world. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are good, that you are right, that you are true. You are perfectly holy and you are wholly perfect. Thank you, God. May we just remember those simple things, that you are light, that we are to leave our sin in the shadows and walk in the light and enjoy your goodness and grace forever. God, would you please right now, just in our quietness of our hearts, just between us and you, Lord God, not even spoken out loud, but Lord, we need to confess sins to you. 
those sins that we haven't spoken to you or maybe anybody else about. God, those sins that grip us, that we just, they keep drawing us in, and, and for a moment we enjoy the way it feels, but we know, God, it hurts your heart. And Father God, even just in these moments, we confess those sins to you because you are the one who is faithful and just to forgive us. Restore our fellowship. Holy Spirit, convict us when we do sin. Light up the truth of God's word as we turn to it. And God, would you go before us now? Help us to be the children of light emanating from this place that we would be those that reflect your light in this dark and hopeless world. God, we thank you. Give us the courage to do it. And we do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's walk as children of light, church.